the European Union, they ban over 1,400 different ingredients because they are either known carcinogens, endocrine disruptors, right? And the U.S., up until just a few years ago, only banned 11. I think we might now be up to 30 that we've finally banned, but we've had a bill stuck there since 2015 to revamp our Personal Care Products Act, and big brands don't want that to happen because they don't care. They want the money from consumers. So we have to vote with our dollars. If you've ever watched Dancing with the Stars, you may be familiar with the eight-season co-host, Samantha Harris. She is here and she's sharing her story about how she survived cancer and dealt through everything that she went through, along with so many other health tips and what she's doing now. She is the author of Your Healthiest Healthy. She has been the host of Entertainment Tonight. She is just a well-seasoned Emmy-winning television host, and I am just so happy to have her on the show today. Welcome back to the Digest This Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Cameron. Let's get into it. I wanted to give a shout out to podcast listener Allie underscore Peterson 28. She titles her review 10 stars. She wrote, I have been following Bethany for a few years now. She has impacted my relationship with health and nutrition in such a positive way. I'm more aware of what I put into my body and how to maintain a healthy lifestyle through the content she shares. If I could give Bethany's podcast 10 stars, I would. This podcast is good for the soul. I highly recommend listening if you haven't already. Also, she shares the best recipes and her protein powder is a miracle worker for those with IBS. Wow, thank you so much, Ali, for that wonderful rating and review. I am so glad you're enjoying the podcast, my protein, and are living a, a healthier lifestyle because of it. And uh, if you haven't done so already, I would love to read your review. And if you rate the show, uh, please please do so. And uh, it helps the podcast grow in general, helps it get out into more ears. I was going to say eyes, but uh, more ears, maybe eyes soon. And uh, it's just a great free way to support the show. So I really uh, appreciate that. Thanks, guys. It's getting into summer, which means more traveling. But with traveling comes the headache of opting for toxic products small enough to be TSA passed, such as mainstream mini toothpaste tubes. But surprisingly, in my latest regular shipment of my bite toothpaste bits, I noticed on the package it says TSA approved even their mouthwash, because their, quote, mouthwash isn't actually a liquid. Just like their toothpaste bits, Bites mouthwash are tablets you can take anywhere and even stash in your purse anytime you need to rinse your mouth and freshen up. Just bite down on a tablet and chew, then take a sip of water and swish it around in your mouth as you would mouthwash. Just spit it out and then you're good to go. I absolutely love Bite and their non-toxic oral care. 
Everything from their toothpaste bits to their mouthwash and even their teeth whitening kits. And they now have a charcoal version. And I know charcoal on your teeth sounds like they would actually make your teeth more dirty, but it's quite the opposite. Activated charcoal naturally helps whiten your teeth. So you get a two-for-one deal with toothpaste and gentle whitening, all in a non-toxic tablet that comes in glass jars. So if you've been looking for a natural toothpaste without the paste, try Bite Toothpaste Tablets and experience what I, my husband, and so many others are obsessed with. Bite is offering my listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybite.com slash digest or use code digest at checkout to claim this deal. I hope you guys love it. If you're not subscribed to my newsletters, they come out every Friday and they're called Friday Finds. This is information that only my subscribers get in their inbox. I share stuff like non-toxic air fryers and kitchen appliances, new food finds, product recalls, food news, and food products that aren't even on the market yet. But I've got the scoop. This is not published anywhere else and cannot be found on my blog. So be sure you're in the know and subscribe to my weekly newsletters by going to littlesipper.com slash subscribe and enter your email. That's all you have to do. So go to com forward slash subscribe to get exclusive information on everything food. Thank you so much, Samantha, for joining me today. I'm so happy to be able to be here. I love watching everything that you put out there on Instagram to help enlighten and empower us as consumers. So it's, it's great to be here with you. You actually interviewed me like a few weeks ago. So now we're, we're switching gears here. So let's just get right into it and go in hard with some questions because people are listening. They want to know. So first of all, you are a cancer survivor. And what, what did you do when you got the news, when you first heard you had cancer? And did you opt for conventional treatment or did you go all holistic? So, you know, this was a complete blindsiding moment. I had just turned 40. I'd had a clear mammogram. 11 days later, I was changing after a workout and I found a lump. I could have stuck my head in the sand and said, it's nothing. I just had a clear mammogram. It's all good. But I still thankfully pursued. I saw my OBGYN because that was the only doctor who had ever done a clinical breast exam, right? Like traditionally. So she did a quick feel and said, it's nothing, sent me on my way. And a month later, that pesky lump was still there. And that's when I thought, huh, I should get a second opinion. But again, clear mammogram. One doctor told me it was nothing. So I went to see my internist. Same thing, quick clinical exam, told me it was nothing, sent me on my way. And then four months went by and that lump was still there. And that's when I finally listened to the nagging of my inner voice. And this is sort of my PSA where I want to share that we have to know our own bodies. 
very well. We can, we are probably the only ones who can know our bodies better than a doctor because we're with ourselves every second of the day. So when we can be in tune with our body, and that means, you know, taking care of it in all the ways that I'm sure most of your listeners already know, right? Eating the right foods, moving your body daily, managing stress, getting quality sleep, you know, all these things that I really wasn't aware of, but I was exercising regularly and I thought I was eating healthfully. I've learned a lot since my cancer. Um, and But it was enough that I was in tune with my body. That internist said the, the lump was nothing. And so then four months later, I finally went to a breast oncologist. I'll cut to the quick, obviously. You already know the punchline. We found out after she didn't think it was cancer either, after a battery of tests that did not detect the cancer, it was ultimately not just contained within the duct, but we found out that it was actually invasive ductal carcinoma in sight. So it was it was both invasive and I was quickly restaged to stage two. They said we caught it early. I opted for a double mastectomy. We found that it went to a lymph node. Um, all a lot more advanced than this nothing lump that my mammogram said that I had. By the way, mammograms are still important, but I also had a 2D instead of a 3D and I don't know that it would have caught it anyway, but we need to know our bodies. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was the test that ultimately discovered it or, you know? It wasn't a test. It was actually pathology. We, I went in and had a lumpectomy because the tests didn't say point to cancer, but it did show a strange accumulation of cells. And thankfully, the oncologist said, you know, I should probably take that out just because I don't know what it is. And when she was in there, she said there was something on the margin that looked like healthy tissue, but for whatever reason, and this is where I was grateful that she listened to her gut. And she said, you know, I just, I needed to take a sample of that healthy tissue. That quote, healthy tissue was the invasive cancer. It it was, it was a roller coaster. Now, I mean, that's, you're a true advocate for being your own advocate. You know, because after all these tests, every single test that you did, they did not detect the cancer, which to me is a huge red flag in just the medical industry in general. And I'm so glad that you just really continue to pursue and be your own health advocate. And obviously, thankfully, you're here today, you're cancer-free, you're healthy, you're beautiful, and you're thriving. And so what, what was that it? You didn't have to go through chemo. You didn't have to go through any of that. It, well, it, those were choices. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, getting back to your initial question, sort of what what did I do? Did I go holistically? Did I choose conventional? So, you know, when you're in cancerversity, which is the barrage of information that is pelting you from every direction for a diagnosis you know nothing about other than you've heard the word cancer for a long time or you've had family members who've been gone through it, but you just don't really know it for yourself. So I was learning fast and furiously everything I possibly could, getting second and third opinions. And that's where I also want to say definitely get those second and third opinions. And then ultimately it came down to personal choice. So had I had a faster growing aggressive tumor, I don't think I would have questioned chemo at all. I would have absolutely dove in head first and done everything that I possibly could to eradicate this from my body. The unfortunate part of it is that then you're eradicating it at the same time as you are pelting it with even more harm in many ways because chemo is so detrimental to your body 
post-cancer, even once it finally gets the cancer. However, that would have been the, probably the course of treatment I would have undergone. Um, so I, after I had these multiple opinions from radiation oncologists and medical oncologists, I chose, I was in a quote, gray area for chemo. They wanted to give me four rounds of chemo. I thought I was going to, and I ultimately chose not to. Radiation, I had two different opinions. One said, you have to have it or you'll have recurrent, 20% chance of local recurrence. The other radiation oncologist said, well, that's actually based on old information. Two new studies just came out that take tumor size into consideration. That other doctor must not have seen that information. And basically, yes, you can have the radiation, but it really isn't going to give you much more of a chance for, you know, the recurrence is, it's not going to help basically. So I opted out of both chemo and radiation. I was on an estrogen blocker because I had a hormone positive breast cancer uh, for seven and a half years. And I finally went off that about a year and a half ago. Wow. I mean, you have such an amazing story. And I also want to ask too, do you have any tips for anyone that just got diagnosed with cancer, what should they do? I mean, even tips to stay calm or, you know, where do you go? I mean, it's traumatizing. Well, thankfully, there's a lot of incredible support out there. Number one, you don't have to have every answer or do everything that you think you need to overnight. It, take one step at a time learn what you can about your diagnosis and make small methodical changes. One of the best things to do is support yourself with a village around you. Reach out, whether it's family or friends, the cancer community as a whole has so many resources. I offer so many resources. I offer support specifically to, to the breast cancer, um, so, you know, survivors and, and newly diagnosed. Um, you know, whether I'm answering people on via DM. I mean, every woman who's reached out to me who's been diagnosed at some point in her lifetime or a recent diagnosis. I get back to them and I try to help guide as much as I can. Um, I have a thriving after breast cancer two-part course. Um, I offer retreats. You know, so there's a lot of support out there. But stress management is one of the biggest ones. So for me, I was so overwhelmed and had such a rush of anxiety that I had never felt in my life in those few, first few weeks after my diagnosis. It was a crippling adrenaline coursing through my body that felt so negative and heavy. And I just took a moment one day and I don't know why and no one told me to, but I just stopped and I said, I can't feel this way. I don't know how long this journey is going to be. So I flipped my perspective and this is where positive self-talk and positivity not rose-colored glasses, not saying you can't be practical, not saying you can't have the day where you can ball up in your bed and cry and eat bonbons, but to be able to look at everything with the positive spin. So here I was with a diagnosis, positive. What was good about this? Well, I was in otherwise great health. I was in otherwise great strength. I had an incredible 
support community. Okay, this is good, Samantha. What else is good? Okay, so then the momentum starts and you start having that positive self-talk and one thing builds on the other. Okay, I've got great health insurance. I live in a comfortable home with a great bed and and where I'm going to be recovering, I'll be comfortable, right? All of these things made me realize I had really a slow-growing tumor, the best kind of cancer diagnosis of breast cancer you could hope for. Uh, so when I started to flip my perspective, Bethany, that is when it truly started to change how I took cancer on. And that empowered me. It took my power back because cancer socked me in the stomach and took away my positive spirit and started to break me down. And I realized that cannot happen. I'm not going to let cancer do this to me. It's not okay. Cancer can't steal that from me. And that brain switch, which we can activate, made a big difference. Wow. I I need that energy. Can you just like give me some of that energy that you're giving out right now? Because I mean, it it truly is the way that you see things is can impact actually your your diagnosis for sure. We have so many studies that prove that. Stress, anxiety can exacerbate uh, a health issue or when you remove those, it can actually calm it down and, and help that diminish. So I love that approach. You're just such a glowing, positive person and that's great advice. And what advice, what if someone's listening right now, they, they don't have cancer, but they know someone that maybe just got diagnosed or going through cancer. What advice can you give that person like what to do or what not to do? Like what, what annoyed you? for example, from other people, like where so many people like just trying to give you advice or this, that, and the other. Like, so my, my question is basically, what advice can you tell someone who knows someone that's going through cancer? Like, hey, don't do this. It's going to annoy them or do this. It was very helpful, you know? The biggest tip I can give is to tell, not ask. Okay, here's what I mean by that. People want to help. Well, there's two different types of people. The people who just freak out and they don't know what to say, so they basically ghost you. And that's really hard. And then there are the people who really do, which is the majority, who want to help. They want to do something, but they just don't know what to do. So they will ask you, what can I do? What can I bring you? And it's overwhelming. I don't want to make any more decisions. I'm already dealing with all of this. So better to say to someone... I'm bringing you dinner. Is Tuesday night better or Thursday night better? Do you want the veggie bean burgers or do you want the, you know, the big salad? What do you feel like? I know you have an appointment coming up. What day can I take you to your appointment? Because I'm sure that it's challenging to find somebody to bring you every time, right? So telling them what you're going to do allows you to basically not feel also as the patient It's so hard, especially for women, we are the caregivers. So to be the one who has to ask for help when we're used to taking care of everyone else is really hard. So that's just another reason why it's really beneficial for those who want to help us to tell us what they're going to do. Not, hey, can I come in town and fly across the country and help you after surgery? No. Hey, I'm going to come in town. Obviously, you know, know, assuming that that it's someone you actually want. Also, the power of no. I'm going to come in town and stay with you after your surgery. No, thank you. I already have 
you know, plenty of people, I'm going to feel too overwhelmed, but thank you for offering, right? So don't be afraid to say no. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. Now, I switching gears a little bit here, I want to talk about in on and around our bodies. And this goes this goes not just for people dealing with cancer. This is go, going for anyone interested in health and wanting to detox their life because now you really do live a a non-toxic life and you among most I don't I don't want to say this, but you are probably at the top of my list that are just so aware of what goes in, on, and around our bodies and to really detox. So first of all, we all know, at least many, many of my listeners know and are aware that the foods we consume affect our health in multiple factors. I mean, even the people eating McDonald's and, you know, quote, not into healthy foods are aware of healthy and unhealthy food. I mean, the general public, they know what they're doing, right? But what for you, I guess, surprised you the most when you started digging into a healthier lifestyle? Well, cancer definitely woke me up in a way I didn't realize I needed to be shaken awake. I thought I was eating healthfully. I thought I was living a healthy lifestyle because I exercised almost daily. And because I'm a journalist by trade, right, I wanted to make sure that I, when I found out of the one in eight women who will be diagnosed with invasive breast cancer over their lifetime, only five to 10% of those are actually genetic. And to me, that was baffling. So I assumed I must have a genetic predisposition because my dad had colon cancer and there's a colon breast genetic connection. And my dad's mom was a breast cancer survivor, lived to 95. So it must be hereditary. And then it wasn't. And I've had a panel of over 180 different genetic tests that are available to us today beyond the BRCA that we all hear about, the BRCA test, that does show you a link. And I had none of that. And and so it shouldn't be surprising now that I know that only 5 to 10% of the breast cancers are actually hereditary. And then maybe say 5% are a fluke. They're just, you know, throw it up to gosh knows what it was. But that means that we have the power because 85 to 90% of cancer, of breast cancer, is completely environmental. It's about the epigenetics. And that's the study of how our lifestyle choices, how we live, where we live, and what we do with our day-to-day affects our overall well-being. Turns on or leaves off the switches in our DNA structure that activates cancer, not just breast cancer, any type of cancer, heart disease even, type two diabetes, neurodegenerative disorders. And this was the most eye-opening thing that I learned when I started to dig into my research and I started to deconstruct it. Well, wait a second. I've spent my entire career on television from day after day on Dancing with the Stars or Entertainment Tonight or whatever show I was doing, sitting in a makeup chair every day of the week, being shellacked with these chemical bombs of carcinogens and endocrine disruptors and neurotoxins that are in all the big mainstream brands for makeup and skincare and hair care. I was 
eating foods that I thought were very healthy for me because I thought that, first of all, uh, Dancing with the Stars, you have these amazing dancers with these sculpted, gorgeous bodies and standing next to them as the host, all I wanted is to also look as fit and amazing as they did. And I ate copious amounts of animal protein because I wanted to look tight and toned. And I thought you had to eat a lot of animal protein to look tight and toned. And I am probably tighter and more toned now eating plant-based than I ever was when I was eating as much meat as I was. And by meat, uh, meat when I was growing up in Minnesota meant red meat as well as chicken, poultry, and fish. My, my 20s and 30s, that just meant poultry and fish. Um, and so I started to switch around everything because the research shows that the higher animal protein intake we have, the higher our levels of IGF-1, which is a growth factor that leads to, to cancer and many other diseases. So I began to reduce from 21 meals out of 21 meals a week of that included animal protein, I started to slowly cut back. This was not overnight, you guys. This was 2014 when I was diagnosed. I started to make slow, methodical changes in how I was eating. I started to integrate more plant-based foods, whole foods, cutting out the junk, growing up in the fat-free, low-fat generation that many of us did with all of these foods that were filled with chemicals and high fructose corn syrup and red dye 40. I mean, Bethany, oh my gosh, I ate so many Snackwell sandwich cookies that were low fat, so they had to be healthy. I ate, literally, I would go to the big, you know, the, the Costco or the Smart and Final, and I'd buy this humongous tub of red vines because they were a fat-free food as they were. Oh my goodness, I know. I It still says fat-free on the red vine thing. It's like, okay... That's not that's not helping. Versus versus a label that says we have high fructose corn syrup and red dye forty in here, and by the way, they're gonna kill you. So I mean, I'm being extreme, but but if if that is your day to day diet, and it was, I mean, I ate. Oh my gosh, when I used to work for E News, that entertainment news show, I used to stink up the break room because for lunch, I would bring. You know, I got rid of my regular bacon, but I would, which I grew up on, but I would bring turkey bacon to work. I'd keep it in the fridge and I could fit exactly on the little mini like toaster oven that was also a convention oven. So you could toast or, you know, bake. I would set it to bake and I would fit exactly seven. I remember exactly seven slices of turkey bacon I could fit on it because I wanted my protein the nitrates in it and the carcinogens and the, so we know now that all cured meat, deli meat, hot dogs, all, you know, bacon, all of that. We know are a class one carcinogen. I mean, the World Health Organization says it. I didn't know this. So cancer was the eye-opening gateway to a healthier lifestyle. I thought I was living my health, you know, I thought I was healthy and I realized I needed to live my healthiest healthy, getting the toxic products out of what's in, on, around my body. So I started to change up my makeup and my skincare. I started to change up my hair products and my cleaning supplies, looking for products that were from companies that were transparent and honest and had our best health in mind because the U.S. is very different with what our FDA allows versus the European Union or even Japan where there in the European Union, they ban over 1,400 different chemicals, ingredients, 
because they are either known carcinogens, endocrine disruptors, right? So they're harmful. And the U.S., up until just a few years ago, only banned 11. I think we might now be up to 30 that we've finally banned. But the, the you know, the con- Congress, we've had a bill stuck there since 2015 to revamp our Personal Care Products Act. And big brands don't want that to happen because they don't care. They want the money from consumers. So we have to vote with our dollars. If you're listening to this and you have gut issues, well, keep listening because it turns out everything you think you knew about probiotics may be wrong. You guys, it can get pretty confusing with the market saturated with probiotic everything. I mean, there's even probiotic tortilla chips. Come on now, really? I need to give you my personal take and share what I got introduced to back in October of 2022. And that is Seed. Seed's DS01 plant-based capsule is not only a probiotic, but a prebiotic. There are 24 different strains of specifically formulated probiotics targeted for digestive health, gut immunity, as well as additional systematic benefits. One of my favorite things about Seed is that it's a capsule within a capsule. That's right, there's actually a prebiotic capsule encapsulating the probiotic inside, which ensures that the probiotics actually make it to your colon with 100% survivability. But you may be asking, so what does Seed DSO-1 actually do? Well, many think of pre and probiotics as only gut support, but it does way more than that. It actually supports the gut barrier, which is where most of our immunity is and a vital part of our health. But it also supports other areas of the body for whole body benefits, such as skin health, heart health, and micronutrient synthesis. So get the real deal in a symbiotic, one that's backed by clinical trials and scientific data. So get the real deal in a symbiotic, one that's backed by clinical trials and scientific data. Visit seed.com slash digest and use code digest to receive 30% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. That's seed.com slash digest and use code digest. I hope you guys love it. It's surprising to me too, because I know so many things and products in Europe, for example, they are banned. So we're all humans. Just because we live in Europe doesn't mean we're genetically different. You know what I mean? We're all human beings. So why is it okay for us in America to consume it and not okay for people in Europe 
to consume it, right? It's it's big business and it's politics. And that that's the bottom line, sadly. I mean, there are even, and I mean, I think you've shown this, I've, we've seen other wonderful influencers who live in this space show us the comparison between even a McDonald's ingredient list and a U.S., you know, in Europe versus a U.S., yep. right? And the comparison of what's allowed in their foods from the same brand, the same corporation, but because the, you know, look, we, you and I live in California. We, we thankfully, but sometimes frustratingly, have some very stringent laws here uh, of certain products that are allowed or not, or certain labels that have to be put on products to give us awareness of whether, you know, the Prop 65 warning for lead oh, and yeah. heavy metals. That's so, stupid. so, you know, and so there's a lot of stuff, and a lot of that too is also politics. On the one hand, it's like, yeah, okay, cool, yep. California, you go. But then also it's a little bit also the politics. So if we could just start with, as consumers to take our power back um, and make decisions based on education. And like, by the way, if you want your red vines, have your red vine, but make sure you're making that choice consciously, not just because the marketing gurus say it's fat free. So you think it's okay because you're not going to gain weight eating it. By the way, it's laden with not just the high fructose corn syrup, but a lot of other sugars that are harmful that are going to make you retain that weight. So it doesn't matter that it's fat free. Right. And, and addictive too. Just so many different foods are so addictive. Um, and you know, a lot of, a lot of brands too that a lot of people don't realize is that they are owned by the same company, for example. And I, I know you know this, like not going to name names here, but you know, pharmaceutical brands or quote healthy brands, they also own the, the unhealthy brands. And so they're really, they, they don't care about the health. Uh, and your well-being, they they just want the money. They want the the money from the fake sugar. They want the money from the real sugar. You know, the same company owns the fake sugar and real sugar. Well, they realized they were losing a market share, right? So they either the big brands, you know, whether it's a Nestle or a Coca Cola or some of these humongous umbrella brands, they go up and eventually buy up some of those cleaner brands. And what's also frustrating, I mean, I remember even just, okay, totally random. I'm looking at my beautiful puppy on the bed here. So cute. And I, I very careful with the dog food. I even feed him because animals die so much earlier than they should because of a lot of the junk. And so I was, I buy this one particular brand and then I have a topper brand and the topper brand is from this cute little boutique dog store down the street. And they had this wonderful clean brand that I bought for a topper. And one day it wasn't there anymore. And I said, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I, you're not carrying this brand anymore. And they said, well, you know, Purina bought it and they changed the formula. So we don't want to sell it in our boutique dog store, right? So sometimes when a big brand buys something that you've been using safely for years, they just alter it slightly. Um, Mm -hmm. But the other thing is they want the market share back, right? They're realizing that we are getting smarter as consumers and we're not going to be tricked by their marketing. You know, you walk down the cereal aisle and you'll see sugar junk laden cereal after cereal with health claims like boosts immunity, heart healthy. Probiotics. Right. (laughs) Bull, you know what? So, um, you know, and for those who are listening, who are like, Samantha, I would love to know some of the brands that you go to for your skincare, your makeup, your hair care, your cleaning supplies. I have a list of vetted products I, that I have put together that I love sharing. You guys can DM me on Instagram, you, Facebook, um, Samantha Harris TV, like television, Samantha Harris TV. But I love sharing it because 
you know, when I just, I just recently shot 65 episodes of a new game show, a TV show on Game Show Network called Tug of Words. And when I was going in to shoot, I said to my hair and makeup girls who I've been with forever, look, we're, and it's been a while since I've had a regular TV gig and, and had my own team again. And so I said, girls, we're, we're going to take something on. I'm going to challenge you that every hair and makeup product that comes into this glam room to get me ready for the show is only from brands that are sort of Samantha approved and as clean as possible. And they did it. And we had a, we, there was trial and error because there's a lot of great clean brands that just don't do the job. They don't give you the look you need. They don't hold under the hot lights on a 12 hour day. Um, so the vetted lists I have are all brands that really work well, but the thing of it is that you don't have to be on a TV show 12 hours a day to want makeup or skincare that works, right? You're the, you know, right now I'm not shooting a show. I'm the mom and I'm waking up at six something to get my kids to school and I might want to slap something on and I want it to last till I go to, a, you know, dinner with some friends that night. So um, I love being able to share. It makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll definitely put all of those links where um, everyone listening can connect with you in today's show notes as well. I mean, you are just such a beautiful woman. And do you ever, you know, you're fit, you're slim. Do you ever get shamed because of the way that you look? I mean, it's true because... I'll be honest, you know, people in the in the in the public are bashed for how they look because they are a beautiful woman. They're thin, fit, successful. So how do you deal with all the haters if if there are any? Yeah, look, there are always people out there who are going to say something, you know, especially especially when I was on on TV, especially, you know, on a platform like Dancing with the Stars and I mean, I I would get I mean, I was look, I was even though that was pre getting away from animal meat, I've always been very since my late twenties. Um, I, I, by the way, I was a very I've been sculpted since then, but I was a very soft bodied um, late high school and through college. I was I was just Minnesota soft, you know. I was I wasn't heavy. Um, I was just I was thin but soft. There wasn't a lot of tone. There wasn't definition. And I eventually outside out of college. When I moved to LA, I realized like I need to exercise and do something. And all of a sudden, the more that I started to, you know, exercise and have a healthier lifestyle, there was this like tone under my body that I didn't realize just under the fleshy part. And so I got more and more sculpted and toned. And so I would get some haters for sure that you look like a man, <laughs> you, you know, too bit, too muscular, ew, gross. I mean, and so, you know, but here's the deal. And especially after cancer in this new post-cancer body, in this plant-based stress-busting tools applied daily, self-care as the number one priority in my day because I'm not taking care of myself. I'm not going to be here to take care of those who need me. I am stronger, more fit, healthier, more vibrant than I have ever been. And when those people sometimes come to the forefront and say, you're too skinny, my body is at a place where it has always wanted to be, but I didn't know it. The healthy lifestyle choices that I have made through you know, intermittent fasting, whole food, plant-based lifestyle, exercising daily, mitigating my stress, focusing on getting sound quality sleep. And granted, there are days that I, and by the way, I really like my ice cream and dessert, FYI. So I do have my things I do. It's definitely an 80-20 rule, maybe hopefully more 90-10, you know, starting my days with my smoothies and all of that. Um, 
but my body found it a place it really wants to be. I mean, look, even my mom sometimes will be like, honey, you're just too skinny. Um, but my body is where it wants to be and it's really happy and healthy here. So that's what I say to people when they say, ew, gross, you look like a man, whatever it is. I hope I don't look like a man. Um, no, you definitely do not. <laughs> you know, and so, you know, um, so that's what I say. I'm happy and my body's healthy and that's the most important thing. And we all come in yeah. different shapes and sizes. And when you start to make the lifestyle choices you're, that are right for you, because what's right for you is maybe different from what's right for somebody else, because we are all bio-individuals and we have to figure out what works for us. So don't just take what some health guru is proclaiming as the way to do it. It could be that they say keto is the only way or paleo is the only way or plant-based is the only way. You have to figure out what works for your body the best. Some people yeah. need a little bit of meat. And if they do, then make sure it's grass-fed and it's pasture-raised and it's organic and it's in smaller quantities, not these slabs of eight or 10-ounce steaks from the conventionally raised farm down the street, right? So making sure you're being careful on the quality and and all of that are, is also really important. And find your healthy health. You know, your healthy is healthy. Yes, yes. And that's something too that I did want to go back to. So you are fully plant-based, I am, no, I am, mm, I would say I'm 95 to 90% plant-based. So I love my sushi still. So I definitely have sushi once a week. Uh, I will integrate, and if I can find a nice piece of wild Alaskan sa king salmon, I will have a, a nice slice of salmon. It's really important to get our omega-3s. The healthy fats in the fish are really important for our brain health and many other health. I know, again, because I really pay close attention to my body, and I also have an integrative internist, so he does blood work uh, every quarter. So I know that my mercury actually runs very high. My body doesn't metabolize it well. So even from fish once a week, I can have mercury that's too high. So what I do to combat that, because I really do still like my sushi and I know the brain benefits of the omega-3s, I have an infrared sauna to detox. I do a binder that helps to when I'm in the sauna to, to then, as I'm detoxing, to then pull out and it, those, those toxins. Um, if I'm having fish, I also then take a binder, whether it's a, a silo, there's a variety, I don't have to get into it, but that I can take um, as well so that I'm hopefully sort of offsetting some of that so that I don't get too many heavy metals. Yeah. You know, uh, cilantro is a great um, thing to detox. If you pair that, you know, with uh, any kind of fish, that's great too. But, um, you know, and again, too, for those that do eat meat, I mean, I love my meat. My listeners know I'm definitely not vegan or, you know, vegetarian. But again, it's the sourcing. It's the grass fed. It's the free range. It's all of that good stuff that you want from chicken and beef. And if you find that, make that switch, you really will see a difference. And there's so many better options out there too. I know you mentioned like hot dogs and, and chicken sausages. There's a brand, um, I think it's like Belinsky. They make great organic, free-range chicken sausages, pork-free, no additives, no nitrates. So you can find better options out there. But again, everyone just has to listen to their body. Like some people, eggs, I think eggs are great, but I do know some people can't have eggs for whatever reason. It does not agree with their body. No shame in not eating eggs. You know, so Again, you can't shame someone else because they're not doing what 
what you're necessarily doing for health. I think if they're trying to to do the best they can for health, that's great. Now, again, that all that to say, you can't expect to follow a junk food diet and and see any results. I mean, even the 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 plant-based meats that they're making are just, you know, you say, oh, I'm going to go plant-based. It's going to be so much healthier. Well, is it really healthy when you're eating fake meat, fake cheese, fake, you know, this and that? Right. When everything's too processed. And again, you want to take everything, you know, in, in stride and in that balance. And, you know, when I was writing my book, Your Healthiest Healthy, it, my goal was not to put yet another tome out, out there that said, this is what you must do and get up on my soapbox. It was really to break down all of the different theories and give a, a basic foundation for people to then build from and guide them from, you know, whether it's how to start to become more forward thinking in your nutrition and getting, it's about nutrient density when it comes to the food, you know, when it, and then listing different products that are clean. And now my list that I can DM you guys back with is, is even more updated than it was in my book. Um, but, you know, even how to talk to doctors, you know, how to know what questions to ask before, during, and after, uh, you know, a diagnosis or something that you find. And so, so that, you know, that's really why I wrote the book and why I launched my retreats and my courses and all of that was because I just, I love my work in television. It's, you know, it look, it's what I wanted to do from the time I was 12 when I asked my parents in Minnesota, can I please have an agent? Um, and they did, they, they did everything they could to help me get one. And, um, you know, I wanted to be on TV and I wanted to do all this stuff. And I am so grateful that I had that incredible career. And what it, but what my passion is in this space, it's why I went back to school to become a certified health coach and a certified trainer and why I lead all these retreats and courses and everything, because I love to share this information like you do, Bethany, with people to allow us all to know that we can be so empowered and we can make changes in small steps. And every little change you make makes a big difference and it adds up. And there are going to be times where you drink too much or you party too hard or you eat too much overindulgence or you have that junk or you're traveling and can't. And then you just get right back to it. Do you drink? Limited. I never was a drinker. Like I didn't drink through high school, college. It really wasn't until after I was married in my 30s that I thought, huh, it's actually getting nice to have a little. I like sweet things. So I only like dessert wine. I don't like regular wine, um, which is bad because it's higher in sugar. Uh, I, that's my, I like a margarita. Uh, so, you know, nothing that's really good for you in terms of the, you know, resversatol that's in a nice good red wine. Um, unfortunately, that's way too dry and I don't like it for me. And, and so, um, there is no safe amount of alcohol for breast cancer risk. And we know that alcohol consumption, even just two or three a week, can lead to seven different cancers. Um, a, study, a couple of studies, just a huge, huge meta-analysis study just came out that linked alcohol specifically directly to seven different cancers. Breast cancer is one of them. That's so crazy. It, is, it is. Look, acetyl alcohol, which is what is the alcohol in alcohol, is a known carcinogen. So I will occasionally have a drink, um, but I do this with eyes wide open and that's the difference. Um, informed consent. Informed consent. So 
it's something special. I used to love to um, have a glass of wine when I was cooking and I was only cooking, um, you know, a couple times a week. I'd like to cook more, uh, the more home cooked, you know, I, I eat from home breakfast and lunch every day, but dinners were usually, we eat out a lot or bring in. So I would like to increase that. The more we cook at home, the more we can control the quality of the oils, making sure they're higher in omega-3s and not omega-6 seed oils, like all the, you know, corn, canola and vegetable and all of that. Um, we can choose our sugar and salt and, and, you know, all of that, the quality of our ingredients. So cooking at home is great. But the point is I used to always like to have a glass of wine. And then I realized that actually when I switched to having kombucha and I found a specific kombucha that was a little bit lower in sugar, um, no added sugars and lower in overall sugar content, uh, because kombucha is fermented and it has so, it ha eating fermented foods is very important for our gut microbiome. Uh, I was like, because it's fermented, it gives you kind of a little bit of that kick in, a, in not the quite the same sense that a wine would, but it's a great swap out. So I have a glass of, of kombucha on ice while I'm cooking instead of the wine now. And honestly, I haven't gone back. So if I'm having a drink, it's because maybe I'm at a, at a dinner party with some, you know, my family or mm -hmm. with friends or something. And so it's, it's still very rare. That was a long-winded answer to do you. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's it's totally fine. Yeah, I mean, people do need to be careful about kombucha. I, I personally don't drink it. I know that before I had my candida overgrowth, that's actually one of the things that perked the the growth. Not one, but it was one of the things I was doing and, and I thought kombucha was great, but it's, it was just loaded with sugar. It was just mainstream kombucha. And it, it's really, if you're unless you're getting a really good small brand or making it yourself, I feel like it's just sugar and just feeding the the infection or feeding the growth. So that's something people I feel like should be aware of. Now you did mention intermittent fasting. I want to dive into that a little bit because I know just from our previous conversation, you and I both intermittent fast for most days. And so explain a little bit about that and just kind of how it makes you feel and, and what that looks like for you. Yeah, so the benefits of intermittent fasting are vast. The studies uh, and the science are coming out left and right um, and have been actually for years for those who've been in the know for longer than those of us who are just learning about it. Um, I've been intermittent fasting um, since 2020 and it really started just during the pandemic. Um, I didn't realize I was doing it. My kids were home and I would work out on an empty stomach and then go to try to start to make my smoothie and realize it was recess time. And then all of a sudden it was time to get my daughter's lunch ready or my other daughter's lunch ready. And so by the time I was finally consuming my smoothie, it was, you know, 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock. And I realized I felt great. And then I started to do some of the research. So we know a lot of people say, well, I want to, maybe I should intermittent fast because you know it'll help me lose weight. And yes, it is possible that you can lose weight. Men tend to lose weight intermittent fasting a lot easier than women do. Um, but intermittent fasting has health benefits for many other reasons. First of all, our body needs time to repair. So even intermittent fasting experts will say that everyone should at least have a 12-hour gut rest. And they don't even consider 12 hours a fast, yeah, but it really is for a lot of people because most people will maybe snack until 10 o'clock at night, maybe a little bit later, wake up at seven to go to work and start eating right away. And so you're not getting 12 hours at all. So really aiming to just to start, even if it's just a couple days a week with 12 hours, and then eventually 
there, lengthen it. And you can decide what works best for you. And women, if you're cycling, um, you want to actually cut back on the amount of time you're fasting during your men- certain parts of your menstrual, menstrual cycle, um, but, but still never having to drop below the 12 hours. 12 hours is sort of bare minimum. It's the best for everybody to have that rest. Um, so we know that it helps to you know fight disease we know that it helps to lower inflammation we know that it helps to reset our gut and build a stronger microbiome and so intermittent fasting has uh, definitely become a great part also because at night we want our bodies to go into this cleansing renewal phase if our bodies are too busy digesting as we're trying to sleep they're then the body's not doing the things it needs to do, which is creating and forming memories, which is autophagy, which is basically um, our brains are are getting, it's a rid of, it's like taking out the trash. It's disposing of the dead cells and it's, so we want to go into autophagy. We want to be able to really make sure we're, we're reinforcing the gut microbiome. And so fasting has so many benefits. You can do 5-2 fasting where you really just, um, you know, eat regularly two days a week and fast, you know, on two days a week and, or you can flip that. I prefer daily fasting with a, a 14 to 16 hour fasting window. I'm usually closer to 14 to 15 hours. Um, and so some people think of it as time restricted eating. So your eating window, so thinking of the flip side is an eight hour eating window or a 10 hour eating window. Um, so that's really where I operate from. And it's great. What about you, Bethany? I kind of do the same thing. I typically, I want to also let people know if I'm hungry in the morning for a random reason, right? My metabolism is just going, I will honor that, Right. Typically, I'm not hungry, <laughs> but I will get up around 5.30 in the morning. I'll have my uh, butter or my ghee coffee, which is just like healthy fats with some ghee, my coffee and gelatin, and that that's some protein. And that actually doesn't break my fast. Research has shown that coffee doesn't actually break your fast, including like healthy fats. There are different schools of thoughts. There's extreme fasting experts who say, Zero besides water breaks your fast. You know anything but water breaks your fast. Most fasting experts will say anything, um, anything besides water, black coffee, black tea won't break your fast. I have not heard about ghee and gelatin not breaking a fast. So what do you have on that? I'd love to learn more. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely send you some information. But I mean, I've been doing this. I've been doing the ghee, gelatin, and the coffee thing for gosh. 2017. I mean, it's been crazy. And and then I have that and it really just does keep me full because there's protein and, and healthy fats. And then typically I don't start eating until like 11, 11.30. And so it's like a late breakfast, early lunch, and then um, and then I'll have dinner. I'll try and have dinner like no later than 6 p.m. But, um, you know, that's just a general rule. And then I it just depends on the day too, because if I'm recipe testing, I'll, you know, test some foods and every single day is different. But to your point is it does have so many benefits and I just feel amazing when I do it because your digestion, it's able to rest and digest when you're constantly eating or snacking, then your body is constantly digesting and it's not able to repair those other things or put energy towards other things in your body, not to say it doesn't, but it is focusing on your gut and digesting that food. And so 
it gives your time, it gives time for your body to repair itself and kind of just rest for a second and digest what you previously ate two hours ago. And so, you know, and then again, every person is different. If you are, it's not for everyone. If you're in a a certain place in your life or a healing journey where you do need to eat every two hours because for whatever reason, maybe you're breastfeeding or, you know, maybe this, that, and the other, you're having digestive issues and you can only eat a little bit at a time. You can't have a full regular, uh, quote meal, right? You do have to eat little bits because I had to do that too. When I was healing, I had to eat every two hours, but it was only like half a cup of something. So every person is in a different place in their life. So I don't want to say intermittent fasting is for everyone. Um, but it definitely has its benefits and I definitely feel better as well as you do when you when you do it. Now, I want to ask you about stress for a second. What are some ways to reduce stress for anyone, not just a cancer survivor, right? Anyone, ways to reduce stress, whether that's keeping a schedule or starting a routine or what time blocking, like what are your things? So first of all, breath is one of the most powerful tools that I have discovered for mitigating stress. And it's something that I never even kind of had consciousness about, right? We just breathe. And so when we live in this anxiety prone world where we are on the go, nonstop, we have devices dinging and pinging us at all hours of the night, we are living in a state of constant stress. And so when we have this chronic stress, it leads to chronic inflammation. And excessive chronic inflammation is the underlying root cause of multiple diseases. So just to emphasize why we need to get such a handle on this, right? Okay, so let's say that you um, don't even realize that you're stressed. You'll find it's amazing when you just start to slow down. Let's say you're about to go into a meeting or you're parking your car after a hairy day rushing around and you turn the ignition off and just sitting in that silence, tuning into your body and and what is tuning into your body? That's people, some people are like, oh my God, that just seems so like woo woo. Just stop for a second. Try to listen to your breath. Fill your belly as full as it can, like you're filling a balloon. That's a diaphragmatic breath where it's filling the belly first. Then if you want, you can expand the, the rib cage. Hold that breath at the top for a couple of seconds and then slowly let it go. And there's four, seven, eight breathing where you inhale for four, hold at the top for seven, slowly exhale for eight. Uh, that is proven to do a lot of great things to bring down your stress levels. But just even taking a few seconds of rounds of breath will immediately ignite your parasympathetic nervous system. That's your rest and digest. And that calms the body. And then when that's activated, you automatically deactivate the sympathetic fight or flight nervous system. And so because of that, we have this sense of calm that comes over us and we're able to deactivate that chronic stress. So, um, Another, you know, other great things that I do besides breath work, and you can do more formal breath work. You can do guided breath work, guided breath and meditation. You can just do guided meditation or self-guided meditation. Uh, putting on some, you know, slow music. I find that guided helped me get into meditation a lot more easily. I still struggle to do meditation more than 10 to 15 minutes a day. Um, and 
the, so the guided, and you can go on YouTube, there's tons of free guided meditations on there. Uh, so that's one way. Getting exercise in is another really important way to reduce your stress. We know that it releases the endorphins and the serotonin and all of these feel-good hormones that automatically combat our stress. And so it lifts our mood, it can combat depression. So we know scientifically that exercise brings down our levels of anxiety and chronic stress. So really moving, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to take a hardcore spin class or kickboxing or cardio, it means you can go for a walk. Um, getting out in nature, you know, that's one of the reason I love hiking or even going on a walk is being able to be out listening to the birds, um, feeling the sun, you know, tuning into some of that mindfulness while you're there versus just gabbing on the phone the whole time. But if you can grab a friend and be on a walk with a friend, then you also have that community. And that is also actually really great for longevity and stress busting. So the mindfulness there would be um, listening to the birds, uh, feeling the sun on your face, the breeze in your hair, right? All of that also help to mitigate the stress. Um, breath, yoga, walking, exercise of any sort, and then also really just connecting with people, right, can help. Laughter makes a big difference as well. So however you can get those stress-busting techniques into your day are really important. Yeah, I mean, laughter and happiness and just being goofy, I feel like we've lost that. You know, we really have. Yes, yes. And you know, also, you know, when it comes to busting stress, um, positive self-talk, you know, the thing that I had mentioned earlier with how I flip my perspective for cancer, but positive self-talk also helps with the stress. Um, you know, when it's, you're, you know, you're feeling stressed because you have a deadline or you're late to somewhere, just sort of taking a moment and thinking about perspective of what's good right now. Tapping into gratitude also is with that. It kind of goes hand in hand with positive self-talk. And so tapping into that gratitude of what's good in this moment also helps to bring your stress levels down. Yes, gratitude is so important. We really do have so much to be thankful for. If you're listening to this right now, you most likely have a phone that you're listening at to on or a computer and be thankful for the phone that you have. Be thankful for that computer. Be thankful that you can hear this podcast. So many people can't hear or can't see or you know, just so many different things that we take for granted and we don't realize how blessed we are until it's gone. Exactly. That's, I mean, so, so true. And I'm glad that, um, that you bring that up. It's really important. Yeah. Well, one last thing I do want to ask you too, and it's just kind of a fun little thing, but what is your favorite meal and favorite dessert? Mm. So my favorite meal, it's interesting because they kind of are a similar version of each other that are could not be more polar opposite. So my favorite meal is, well, okay, it's two part. I'm going to have to say my favorite meal I would say is my smoothie. I don't know what I would do without my smoothie when I'm traveling. If I eat, right, I hear you. Um, you guys can't see Bethany, but she's given a raise the roof on that one. Um, <laughs> you know, when I'm traveling, I am so happy if I can go to a destination that has a high power blender. When we go to Mexico for a week every year, we literally pack our high power blender and we bring it with us. Uh, but usually when I'm traveling, I can't have my smoothies. And so I, I that's when I realize how much I love them, crave them and need them because they 
give me the nutrient density that I that that we all need, um, and so I can pack in all the things I know I should be eating for my best health into my smoothie that I might not necessarily consume on their own. Like I'm not going to consume chia seed or flaxseed on their own. I'm not a, a matcha tea drinker, but I put my matcha in my smoothie. There's bee pollen, there's ginger, there's all the greens. I would eat greens in a salad, of course, So that and the berries I would eat. But right, there's so many things that I pack in there. So my smoothie is my must-have. And you asked me pre-cancer if I would be someone who would drink a smoothie every day, I would have probably laughed in your face because... I was like the cereal or yogurt in the morning with not the good kinds, like not the organic grass-fed plain Greek yogurt yeah. that I add my own stuff to, which I do still on occasion. Um, it was the, the chemical sugar-laden, <laughs> really crappy of brand. Of course, all the, the fruit, the bottom fruit, you know, this, that, and the other. Exactly. Um, so I would have said not a chance. And so anyway, so I would say smoothie, quick answer, smoothie in the morning and ice cream from uh, a place that I can either get coffee ice cream or my favorite, which is a mixture of coffee with fresh bananas, caramel, and cookie dough. I know it's terrible. There's my 10% of where I have to have that balance. I feel like everyone just loves cookie dough. Like I've not come across anyone that's like, I hate cookie dough. I do have a really good raw cookie dough um, recipe that I modified from a Canyon Ranch cookbook from years ago. I mean, it still has tons of sugar because it has brown sugar in it to make it delicious. But instead of having oil and um, butter, it has applesauce and something else that I'm blanking on right now. Oh, and Greek yogurt. Um, and you think like, okay, that sounds disgusting. It is the best raw cookie dough. The cookies, if you bake them, are not that tasty. And then I just omit the egg from the from the raw mm-hmm. batter. And anyway, it's really good. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I mean, I've been posting a lot of cookie dough recipes. One is just my vanilla protein powder mixed with Greek yogurt. Like literally that's all. And then um, you can add some chocolate chips and then like add some nut butter to it as well. But I mean, the, the base is just Greek yogurt and my protein powder. And then, yeah, throw in some nuts, chocolate chips, whatever. Um, it's amazing. Um, but I'm with you on the smoothies. I'm smoothie girl for life, rain, sunshine, snow, whatever. Yes. Right. It's just, it's the best. I, in the winter time in LA, I, even though it's LA, I shouldn't, I'm from Minnesota. I should not be cold in the winter in LA, but I am freezing for whatever reason. And then I have my smoothie and I am so bone chilled cold that I have to sit on like a heating pad or my PEMF um, infrared mat to warm up and I would I put my robe over my clothes but the point is I'm willing to be that cold because I love my smoothie that much <laughs> it's I mean yeah it's great you know drink some hot tea along with your smoothie you're fine yeah exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> I love it well Samantha uh, thank you so much for joining me and just sharing your story and your journey and everyone um, go check out Samantha um, again Share your social media so people know where to find you. Samantha Harris TV, like television, both on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, but I'm really bad about doing anything on TikTok, so eventually I will. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you again, and uh, we'll hope to uh, talk to you soon. Sounds fantastic. I look forward to it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Digest This. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let us know. If you're ever wondering how you can support me and this podcast, sharing it with your friends and family is the best way. This is a Resonant Media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. 
to email the show, message us at digestthispod at gmail.com. See you next time. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and does not constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor or health team first. If you're looking to take back your health, it's time for you to listen to the Real Foodology podcast. From the producer of Digest This comes one of Apple Podcasts' top 10 nutrition shows, hosted by integrative nutritionist and real food activist Courtney Swan. The Real Foodology podcast is on a mission to change the way we eat. Courtney interviews doctors, food experts, health professionals, and nutrition pioneers to bring you the best info so you can thrive. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of how impactful our food choices are. But it's never too late to start on the path of better health choices. You'd be so surprised how resilient our bodies are when we start taking care of them. Yes, it's overwhelming. But that's why Courtney's here to help. She breaks it down for you and makes the information more accessible so that you can make more informed decisions in the grocery aisle or restaurant. Listen to the Real Foodology podcast today on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resonant Media.